When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined this afternoon by Ashley Priest. Ash, how are you? How are you doing, lads? You're right, yeah? Yeah, good, thanks. And also with us this afternoon is James Rushton. Are you well, friend? Yeah, very happy. Lovely little international break. It's too many wins. Too many <laughs> wins to start the season. I mean, the international breaks are boring and I dislike them, yeah. but um, we've got we've got time to fill, I guess, time to reflect. Um, I've put on a Villa shirt, special f- for the occasion. I don't know what, what you two are playing. I've pulled out the, the the old classic badge that I don't really like, but nice <laughs> shirt, isn't it? Yeah. Got, I, I think I'm the lowest bar. I've got a Nike little Nike shirt on. <laughs> the hole lid. No one can see the hole. Uh-huh. I've got the badge anyway, tattooed, because you made me feel before we uh, went out, so I'll show everyone quickly. Oh, then, that's it. <laughs> Get your legs out. Oh. <laughs> Get the really legs out for the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't really like this badge, but it's all right. I won't get it tattooed on my leg, though. <laughs> that's, that, that's next level. Um, so, obviously, we do these live after every game and we get a lot of questions come through. And we don't really often have the time to assess all the questions because we're here to just talk about the, the latest game. So, today is your opportunity to, to sit with us on Facebook Live or on Twitter this afternoon and ask us your questions. Obviously, this will be, this will be available as a podcast after the fact as well. Um, we'll maybe try and do these a bit more regularly. Um, so, if you've got questions for us, this is your opportunity to do so and I'll, I'll get to them. Before we, uh, we wait for us to drop in, we'll start with some general thoughts on Arsenal. Um, the first time the three of us have spoken about it, me and Matt did our post-match podcast, so we'll start with you, James. Um, what did you What did you think of that Arsenal game? Really happy. Um, I know I made the joke um, after Leeds about having to rewatch the match, having to listen to it on the radio, then rewatch it afterwards, knowing what was happening. But the, the Arsenal one was a delight. Just the, the three 0 it just didn't stop coming. Like, even after the the early goal being disallowed, it was just Villa absolutely all over them. And you know, it, it's a pleasure because you think, oh, it's gonna just settle out at some point. And you see the loss to Leeds, the loss to Southampton. You're like, oh yeah, we might get a draw at Arsenal. We might carry on the losses, but like, to get the win and kind of get back to that form we showed is uh, it's really impressive. So yeah, really, really happy. And you were at the Emirates, Ash. What was that match day experience like? Well, it was very special indeed. Um, you know, it's good when my dad texts me saying Villa are unreal because he's quite a pessimist. <laughs> me and my dad, yeah, he said, yeah, he's quite, yeah, he's quite negative about the Villa usually. But yeah, special performance, um, just the most complete performance. I, I like, I prefer it the Liverpool. Cause obviously, exceeding two against Liverpool, but against Arsenal, the, the taught him a real lesson. Um, again, statement like in what they're doing. Just bode so well for the season ahead. I, I think Villa fans are right to get excited about this this group of players for me. It's just unbelievable what they're doing um, as Arsenal found out. So, yeah, very special. And uh, it bodes well for the season ahead, for sure. I asked the, I asked the question on our Facebook page either today or yesterday about how how much this squad is likeable I and mean, when was the last time we had a squad this likeable as a whole. And I think the general consensus was that the O'Neill days. Is that something that you both agree with? 
because there's been likable players over the last few years. We had some some players that I've enjoyed watching in the championship, but as a squad as a whole, there's nobody I look at now and think, oh, I won't mind if he left. I'm not quite keen on him. I, I like I like all the players as players and as characters as well. Yeah, even with Benteke, I think people got really annoyed about the kind of contract back and forth. So it was always that, and I think you know whatever that was right or wrong with these set of players, like to a T, you can't like fault them. I don't know what you think, Ash. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it does mirror that um, O'Neill side, to be fair. Swashbuckling, the way they went out. Yeah. Fancy themselves every week. And I think Villa do now as well. Um, young, hungry side. I know Martinez is 28, but he, he, he talks Good like he's 19. Good for a goalkeeper. He talks like an 18-year-old kid. He's that, he's that, he's that engrossed in it all. And, um, yeah, from back to front, Cash being brilliant. Watkins as well. They're just all, all close-knit. And you see that on the pitch and beyond the scenes as well and they're absolutely buzzing at the moment spearheaded by uh, that man Jack Grealish as well so yeah I couldn't be more pleased with what they're, what they're doing at the moment to be fair incredible we've not had a question about Jack Grealish but the first question that has come in is a, a little bit of a negative so we'll, we'll put that out the side for, for a second uh, well, let's talk about Jack Grealish because every time I watch him I think oh, he, he's unbelievable such a talent surely this is his peak, surely this is the best he can be and then he, he plays another game and he, he takes it up a level and you, you just sit back and have to appreciate him. Gareth Southgate saying he needs to be more athletic, he needs to be quicker and he outpaces uh-huh. Hector Bellerin and, and shoulder barges him into 2021. Unreal talent. Mm. Yeah. I think he goes down too easily or holds it onto the ball too long. I think he holds Villa back, to be honest. All I the think grass. he stops us yeah, going forward. Yeah, he's not very good when the grass is too long and it's all all these things in his favour. You know, it's all his team, isn't it? But now nah, he's he's brilliant and he's been like that. So I think, what was the game when he come back from that a kidney injury? I think it was Bristol City, uh, New Year's Day, when he hammered them 5-0 and we just thought, what a player. It, what, where has this come from? And it, like since then, it's just never stopped peaking, never stopped ascending. He's... <laughs> been incredible and I think like what we all thought oh, he might be a little bit better than Andre Green or listen that he's been amazing like the last three and a half years have been genuinely genuinely incredible and like mm. he just doesn't stop improving it's incredible as a journalist as a journalist Ash you need to describe these players in, in a written form are you running out of superlatives for, for Captain Jack I'm done I'm doing a, a half term report on the Villa squad uh, the gaffers asked me to do I'm doing A star so A star people of course <laughs> um, yeah, you are, to be fair. It's just a no fear. He's playing on the playground for him. It's just incredible. Uh, players can't deal with him, um, as I've said. And just beggar's belief, Harry can't get in England starting 11 for me. He's out, his stats speak for themselves. He's out, outperforming, outscoring everyone. Um, but no, you want to have superlatives for him? You really do. Um, best player of the generation for me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what other Villa, Villa fans think. Where's your rank in terms of greatness at Villa it's got to be up there now isn't it? To, be, to be fair yeah it's a good yeah. question it's probably a generational thing isn't it as well because in my time he's the best player I've ever seen at Villa um, in terms of quality on the ball and, and his talent and all the Villa fan stuff and him being captain is just the icing on the cake isn't it incredible so I think one of the X-Men in the team like he just does <laughs> whatever he wants it's like <laughs> genuinely because like when I think back to when I started watching Villa it was just like you had Paul Merson just doing some madness and then that hasn't really happened constantly for Villa. I think Ashley Young's under massively underrated, and that that was at my peak of watching Villa when I got my first season ticket. But yeah, Ashley Young, who's just doing everything he wants, free kicks, wizardry on the ring, the pace, the last minute goals, the heroism, he's just doing everything. But Grealish is just like such a, at a level above that now, and it's just 
like when he's got the ball, you're like he could just do whatever he wants. He can he can run into a play, he can win the foul, get the team at the pitch, get the set piece, or he can just do him over and just get get a goal from anywhere or get the assist or the key pass or the chance. It's just out of words. I don't know how you do it, Ash. It's so good. Um, let's go to some of these questions then. I assume this episode will be a little bit all over the place because I'm going to try and do them in chronological order so we might flip and flop around. Um, Danny Barker is the first question that came in after Kimiel says, I like that badge, which, yeah, fair enough, you're entitled yeah. to it, right? Uh, but Danny says, do you guys think Target is a weak link in the squad? Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because Matty Target gets a bit of stick, sometimes unfair, in, unfairly, in my opinion, sometimes rightly so. Um, if you assess that squad as a whole, that, that first 11, let's say, He's the weakest part of that that eleven, but I don't I don't say that I mean he's a terrible player. I just think he's not as good as the others. Is that fair? I'll, I'll jump in there, Jared, because uh, you're good. You're as good as your last game, and for me, I thought he was close to getting man of the match for me on Sunday. I'm not saying daft. Just he was good. He was brilliant on Sunday. Just get a like a like a raw deal of it sometimes because he's the left back, isn't he? You know, mm. when Villa are scoring goals for fun, he doesn't really get a mention, but. Down his side, he's really troubled, to be fair. I mean, Cash has struggled now and again this season up against Leeds and whatnot. Target side has been pretty all right. OK, he's got the Jack Grealish ahead of him as well. But um, did under, understated, an understated player for me, Target. His left foot's like a wand as well. He assisted brilliantly on Sunday for Trezeguet at the back post or the own yeah. goal. And just the balls he was, he was putting in, this clear game plan from Smith, that was. He, was. he was getting balls in between Holden and Bellerin. And Jack Grealish and Barkley were doubling up there and just causing mayhem. So, yeah, target, credit credit where it's due. He was good as your last game and uh, he's a solid left-back as they come for me. He's, he's doing, doing all right. In that triangle, do you know when they did that that little bit yeah. before the first goal, before his assist, like everyone giving Barkley and Grealish a credit, but there's three players involved in that until yeah, they get the Trezeguet and target's one of them, so he, he has to have as much credit, I think. They had the bribery to go, go and beyond as well, so yeah, unreal. Just jump into the, the most recent comments. Patrick just said squad or first eleven. That's a big difference. That is fair. In in terms of first eleven, yeah, he's the weakest link. In terms of the squad, obviously there's players on the bench that are yeah. are, are weaker. We'll come to squad depth a little bit later. Um, Butter Beams, great name, says how should we use Wesley when he is available? That's an interesting comment. I'll let you take that Ash first because I don't really have an opinion because I don't think he'll get back in the side. <laughs> think so. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was having to think about this last night, obviously, and. Um... Yeah, I mean, the way Watkins has started, he's already ahead of Wesley in his goals return, which says a lot about the team he's playing in. Barkley, Grealish next to him. Goals for fun. So I, I, I was just writing a piece there. Can, can Watkins better Ben Tech's 19 goal total in 2012 2013, do you reckon? He's done six now. So he's only 13 away, 14 away from doing that. I think he can. I really do. I think he's, he's on for 20 goals, mate. Yeah. As far as the question's concerned, Wesley, I think he's going to struggle. Tech, he's. Right to take, take time with him. It's a bad injury, wasn't it? We won't see him until the new year. Ease him in gradually. And who knows? Could we see Watkins in a, in a wide position? I know people don't want to see that. Could they play together at some stage? It's questions for Smith to, to look at. Um, but yeah, I can't see Wesley getting in this side as it stands. Yeah, I think when, when Ollie, all it says is when Ollie Watkins shoots on goal, the further the time it's hitting the back of the net, when it's on that shot on target, 60% of the time it's going in. You didn't expect that of Wes. And I think, look, it's not doing him down. I think he's going to come back and he's going to be like a good change of pace. He's going to give teams a handful. He's going to give them something to think about. When, when they're dealing with Ollie Watkins successfully, bring Wes on, throw, change things up. And I think that's the mm-hmm. best thing you can expect of a player coming off like an ACL, MTL injury as well. 
I think someone made a good point in our post-match uh, podcast the other day saying, uh, someone in the comments said that Wesley in this side in in 2020 Aston Villa might be very different to what he was in the struggling 2019 Aston Villa, which, yeah, is, is a fair point and one that's the hypotheticals of football, isn't it? We'll, we'll never quite know. Um, Jaden says, where do you think we will finish? Would we be able to push for Europe this season? In brackets, ambitious. I don't know whether that's his, his opinion or uh, a statement. Um, I'll let you two take this first. You go up first, James. Where do you think we're going to finish? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, right now I feel like eighth, but I think if it settles off, you can't be like really upset. with. I think there's a lot of fans that might be really upset if we get like 12th or 15th and because of the start we've had, but I think you've done all the hard work, right? I mean, you're going to slump off at some point, maybe. So I feel like eighth to 12th might be a better expectation. I would be disappointed if we finished 15th. <laughs> yeah. My, stand, my standards yeah, would, have changed like, since the start of the season. Yes, staying in the Premier League is, is yeah. the, the ultimate, but the start we've had, and as good as the lead we've got already in terms of points, to be 15 points at this stage in the season, if we finish 15th, I think that is a disappointment. We get, 12th. get to January, I'd be happy with 12th. We'll because that's yeah, when like, yeah. I'm major, they let you change the expectations. <laughs> and it, like, like, it's still, I think Dean Swift's still going to be thinking, hang on a minute, like 15th's all right uh, if we if we are to slump off. But look, I think it's just the ambition of the side, how, it, how everything's kind of changed. Because I think internally, they might be thinking, right, 8th is just what we can hit now, which, mm. you know, for me, that's a, that's a pleasure after the last few years, right, Ash? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's all running during sick, don't they, really? Yeah. <laughs> Three back-to-back sixth-place yeah. finishes, which uh, they remember about. So, yeah, for me, they've set the bar up, and I, the Villa fans are enjoying watching Villa uh, week in, week out now. And who knows? I mean, yeah, like James said, they're going to dip off now and again, and they did so against Leeds, and they caught, got caught, caught out against Southampton with the, with the set pieces. But all in all, two blips out of seven is not bad going, mm. is it? Yeah. They're beating some good sides as well. Let the beat Leicester, don't forget. Leicester are top of the shop. The way they dismantled Arsenal and Liverpool as well just goes to show what they can achieve. And Smith said it himself, he got, he got it wrong against Leeds. Fair enough. He went, I think they got a bit reckless when they went in the goal down. That was a mistake. They went yeah. toe-to-toe with them. Against Southampton, he called it a freak freak game because obviously they scored from three free kicks back-to-back, basically, two of them direct. So that doesn't happen, he said, in, in many games of football, three, scoring from three direct free kicks yeah, like that. True. So they're two blips. Other than that, that's it, isn't it? Really, so they've been pretty faultless for me, and I think I can see a top ten. I put me, I put my neck on the line. I say top ten. I think it's Easy. important as well when you point out those seven fixtures. You've just mentioned that we've slipped up against Leeds, who will be a, a good side this year. Southampton, yeah, yeah, yeah. the set pieces thing. We've beat the top sides in Leicester, Arsenal, and Liverpool. I think it's as important to mention that we beat the, the sides that we expect to be at the bottom as well. We beat Sheffield United and uh, and Fulham. It's games that you yeah. could slip up on. You go and beat Liverpool. I think someone said again post match. It's all well and good beating Arsenal, but if you don't follow it up with something against Brighton, it's kind of pointless. So I think the evidence suggests so so far that you know you expect to beat Fulham comfortably and we did Sheffield United are right down the bottom we beat them as well I think that's a, a good thing to be able to take as well that yes we can turn it on against the big sides but as long as we beat the sides towards the bottom as well that's what will allow Villa to have a good season yeah absolutely um, can't disagree there there's a few people dropping in there uh, where they think Villa are going to finish so if you if you leave us your predictions of where Villa are going to finish the season we'll come back to that uh, towards the end let's go to the next question which is from 
uh, someone says Southgate is a something I can't repeat. Um, <laughs> it's a very the real dislike, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Phil Curley says we'll stick with England. Phil Curley says why is Bellingham called up over Barkley? Not like he's going to play anyway. Um, is it too early to suggest that Barkley could get straight back into that England setup? Not, okay, not I'll let you me. go first, Ash. Not for me. Uh, I don't know. You know what Southgate's like now. Nothing surprises us with the selection calls. I think just Bellingham's just. I don't know, he's just ticking a box for the FA. I think he, getting him up from the 21s. I think if Barkley wants to come, come into it, he, he'd want to play. I don't think Bellingham's going to play too much anyway. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep Barkley back at Bodymore and whatnot and get him, get him in for Brighton. doesn't bother me too much. I know Barkley would probably be disappointed with that. And likewise, James Madison, who was pretty good to be left out as well. So, I think he's just, um, just ticking a box. I think he's just getting a, an easy selection call in. I don't think Bellingham's going to play too much. Fair play to him. Done really well since he's uh, moved to moved to Dortmund. So, yeah, I feel a bit disappointed for Barclay, of course, but being not being selfish, I'm not too not too fussed. Yeah, I agree. Dortmund really good at training players off. I think, I think <laughs> really well. <laughs> that's not my joke. I can't. I, I forgot who to credit for that. Oh, that's a good. That's just, a really just good. Just claim one. it as your own, mate. Claim it as your own. <laughs> um, Neil Brown says a great first eleven, but not much strength in depth in this squad. Can we bring in extra quality in January? Now, I suppose this opens up a wider talking point that would ask whether. Uh, does that depend on how Villa are doing in January? If Villa are mid-table, 8th in January, do they go out and go, right, well, maybe we can push into Europe this season and go and spend another 50 or 60 million on a couple of players in January, which sounds mental. Or if we've dipped off by then, is it, uh, uh, let's not spend too much money and just stick with what we've got? That's tough, that is. You've, you've really put us on the spot there. But I think yeah, January January is where you kind of have to patch things up because... Look at all the injuries and people asking for five subs back, and I feel like Villa's time touch wood, but it will come with injuries. Players are gonna gonna succumb to strain and all sorts throughout the season, and you know it's only seven games until the January window, so it's only a really really short turnaround. I think uh, some minor changes would be fine, but I feel like. Villa's start has been so good that generally they've got enough points. I don't see that massive drop-off coming, even if there are some major injuries. There will be a drop-off, but not to the extent where it's like suddenly you're uh, 17th looking over your shoulder. I think that they've done fine. So any, I only think they need to make like little minor changes here and there. Maybe just a little bit of an improvement, a little bit more depth, maybe another loan. I don't see them having to spend 60 million and then kind of affect next season's budget. I want to see them go big again in the summer rather than in mm. January just to fix a little bit of the season. But what if we are on the verge of something in January? <laughs> what if we win? I don't know. Let's say seven games till January window. What if we win five of those seven? And Would you take that gamble? Just the uh, hallmarks of O'Neill's on his head instead of Falco, isn't it? That <laughs> and they could have gone for it for Champions League. But uh, yeah, no major surgery needed. Perhaps get Borja Baston back in just for the for the bants. Then days are long gone now. So um, yeah, long time says just be patchup work if if needed. Um, saw a few comments there. Left back competition and Barkley on a permanent. I'd ask that Barkley question in January if the way he's going on. Try and get that that that, that deal sewn up as soon as really. It's clear he's enjoying his football now. Mm. Him and Jack Grealish are um, just like two peas in a pod. They're just constantly together. So hopefully Jack Grealish have a word in his ear. And the way they're going, get get him in on a permanent. I don't know how much it cost. Would be a costly one, but one one for me. It's worth pursuing. We, when we yeah. spoke to uh, Ollie from Football London, I think it, I think it was Ollie. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we said, "How much do you think Chelsea would want for him?" And I think his answer then was thirty million. 
I think that fee might be going up a little bit with every game that passes because I would definitely pay more than that to be honest. I think he's he's worth he's worth more than that. Yeah, yeah I'd say I agree. Um, uh, where should we go to next? We've kind of touched on this, but there's a bit of a follow up question. So Val says. Uh, do you think Villa can finish in the top ten? We've kind of said yes. Uh, we are set up for we are set up for away from home, but do we have a problem at home where we have to come out and attack teams and get caught ourselves on the break? What have you seen, Ash, when you've been at these games home and away? Because you'd you'd think that home and away isn't really that much of a thing anymore. But do Villa seem to play different on the road to when they're at Villa Park? Yeah, if you put the um, Leeds and Southampton forms in perspective, um, they, they was a bit reckless at home, as if they're like. No, no, no. I mean, the, so Leeds and Southampton have both played well and Villa struggled to deal with them and they struggled for answers. Hence why Smith said there's a bit of a disagreement at half-time at Southampton where mm. the players thought they were getting done. But Smith said, no, they weren't. It's just three free kicks, literally. And then Danny Ings puts one in the top corner. So they've been caught out at home um, trying to force issue a bit too much and instead of being patient. You see now they were patient at the Emirates when they was on the ball. Um, and look what they've just carved them open. So, yeah, they've been a bit, bit reckless at home looking to force it too much um, and they've been caught out in two games which is I mean it's just two blips isn't it really it was, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see them um, against Brighton at home now see how they, they, they tackle that one because Brighton have been, haven't had a too good of a season mm. they're there for the taking but I mean Brighton have um, given Villa problems before haven't they so we'll see I think Brighton, Brighton will be a good yardstick see how, how far they've come yeah I agree tackling them two demons before Anything to add, James? Yeah, not really. I just think uh, you got to keep plugging. I think um, there's probably been a bit too much focus on the bad, like Villa versus Leeds, Villa versus Southampton, rather than the matches we've had at home where we succeeded in, in difficult circumstances, like against Sheffield United when they were put into a bad situation, had to sit back and Villa managed to break them down somehow. Yeah. And of course, Liverpool 7-2. I mean, it's not really a home match when you, you're playing Liverpool because they do what they want, so... You, was that away thing with with Liverpool, I guess. But those are two matches under the lights at Villa Park and they succeeded. So I think we have to probably see a few more games before maybe we make some snap judgments about being a uh, away performing side, but we'll see. Do you think that we're at risk of getting too carried away with only such a small sample size of Premier League football, seven games? Are we getting a bit too carried away thinking that Villa can finish in the top 10? Or is there genuine cause to say that Villa are that good? They've smashed a lot of teams, though. Like, look, that it could it could drop off, but you know, predictions in football are hard to hard to make unless you like Liverpool and Man City top two every season. Maybe not this season; it might be Villa up there after <laughs> um, beating Arsenal. But no, it's, just have fun. I think we we too like obsessed with when we lose. All right, it's back to normal Villa. Like, mm. just have fun because everyone after Southampton is like, that's it now, isn't it? Like, that's us not finishing sixth. That's fifteenth, twelfth, whatever. Let me beat Arsenal. We show Arsenal a lesson. And look, Arsenal were struggling. They're a team in transition. But Villa are just, they're, they're set up and they have an identity and they're complete and they're ready to take advantage. So that, that's perfect for me. I'll have fun no matter what this season, I think. Fingers crossed. It's the manner of the performances as well and the manner of the results. Just literally wiping the floor with everyone, to be fair. So, yeah, the winning winning in style, which says a lot as well. Um, so it can, it can continue, it will continue. Also, let's talk about the away form turnaround from last season as well. Two wins on the road all season last year. We've already got three out of three so far. We haven't conceded goal away from home yet. And that's against Leicester, uh, Arsenal and Fulham. 
Uh, got there in the end. <laughs> it's a great turnaround, isn't it? To to not even get a clean sheet for the whole of last season, to suddenly have lockdown, improve a little bit after that, and then start a new season, look like a totally diff- different Aston Villa. It's hard to believe we're still in the same year, even. I know 2020 has been a mad one, but the same same Villa that was so poor in so, so many parts of last season, in February, March, to what we're seeing now. I, I don't quite know how they've done it, to be honest. Ash, weren't it like, like weren't Villa's away wins if we go and want to go back with away wins didn't Villa beat Bournemouth on the opening day away and that that was one away win and the next one came halfway through the next season after Villa got relegated against Reading and that was like a holy day for Villa fans that's when they crowned like their their song at Villa Park that's the match they remember that's the match where everyone's phone got smashed and that was like a year and a half in between so like I don't know where people are coming out with this stuff man it's just that it's, it's the attitude for me. Um, they want to defend, they get behind the ball, but when they lose it, Smith mentioned someone quite telling as well. Like, I think the press for like four seconds, and if they don't win the ball back in four seconds, just get behind it. Um, and just that graft, and you see them all embracing at the end. They've got a clean sheet, and that means more more to them now. And there's no more finger pointing. There's no more looking around. You're 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 so and so. You're so and so. It's a team shift, and um, it's just the attitude. Dean Smith is still with the group. Uh, yeah, it's long may continue. Let's rattle through some of these questions then. So we've got, I've, I've kind of lost track of how many have come in. So uh, we'll go back a little bit. Danny Barker says, What positions, if any, do you think we should be looking at in the next transfer window? So this is the January window. Would you be looking to actively go out and make a sign in, or is it only something you would do if we've got to cover an injury or something like that? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like maybe you do, if you were looking at Rashid's uh, Ben Rama, you probably do need another winger. I guess because, like, I don't think anyone has faith in Algarzi anymore with the, the poor lad. I don't think it, when he's on the bench and he's coming off, no one really wants to see that. I think he did well in a Villa shirt, but I think it's like the, the, the times have changed now really, really quickly for him. So I feel like, I don't know about you, Ash, but maybe another winger, not a starting winger, but someone with the ability to improve um, who isn't at youth level but probably needs a chance, something something about there. Maybe the Algarzi that we we need now rather than the Algarzi we had in the past. Yeah, he's all right, old guys. In the past, that you're right. Um, we got we got Bertrand Drury. Right? Um, had an unfortunate first start, didn't they? Coming off after 28 minutes, but it's a big investment. That is 17 million mm. rising to 19 million. It's a lot of money. That is. So they're going to stick with him, I think. Um, we've seen we've seen flashings of his of his uh, Bristol good goal there, and but well, he ain't been given a sniff yet. He had, and like, Trezeguet has been keeping him out. Um, I don't think major surgery need in January. Another winger that's coming through. I like the look of him yesterday. Jaden Philogene Vidice. He was, he was excellent yesterday. So keeping tabs on him. What, um, he was ice yesterday, as I mentioned. But no, no major surgery for me. Possibly a long-term left back to rival target. There's not not many coming through the youth system. Who's, who's left? Who's a natural left back? So perhaps they'll look at that. They'll look at that in January for the summer. Perhaps, but nothing major for me. No, Bidace, I think he scored from the almost the halfway line yeah, against Burnley. Yeah, and uh, Louis Barry, of course, uh, Chukwemeka. There's a there's a few coming through, but I feel like they probably need someone with a little bit of experience coming. I don't know. It, it, I feel like we're just in such a good place now. It's really hard exactly. to choose an improvement because, like, Touchwood, if McGinn goes down or Barkley goes down, like I'm not going to be like really upset that Conor Harahan has to play again. You know what I mean? Like I feel like people would want an improvement there, but that is a stronger level of depth than last season. So maybe left back, maybe this and that, but we'll see. Do you think we'd be at risk of if we did make a signing in January and spent 
25 million on a winger or whatever it is of upsetting the the apple cart or rocking the apple cart of of the team kind of unit that Smith has built with this set of players it's a tight-knit unit isn't it past that first 11 not, nothing changes does it really El Ghazi will come on or, or Troy Ray will come on for, for Trezeguet beyond that nothing really else else changes so do you think that making more changes is only going to potentially upset what we've already got so, you know making signings for signing sake basically I don't know. I don't know much, how much budget there'll be. Obviously, we're still in a pandemic, aren't we? I don't know. I don't know what other Premier League clubs will do in January either. Um, whether they can spend thirty, forty million pound on players mm. regarding upsetting the apple cart. Yeah, there's not many. There's not many too too many change at the moment. Horahan come out straight away, didn't he for Barkley? Um, but other than that, it's been it's been the same going ever since. Um, I just can't see a way for anyone. Hence, why the, the subs are just there, just to just in case there's an injury or whatnot. Um, I think it'll be looked at in the summer for more for me. I can't see anything being done in January. Very in a good good place, and just look at that Barclay deal. Try and get that done. Yeah. Um, there's a question here that is one that I would look at and go, well, yeah, obviously, obviously, I wouldn't make any changes. But I know that people are entitled to their opinions, and I like to try and give as many viewpoints as we can. But Colin asks, do you stick with Martinez or bring Heaton back? Now, I would not get rid of Emmy Martinez out of the, out of the, of Golf Villa regardless of whoever was waiting to come back, to be honest, let alone Tom Heaton. And as much as I like Tom Heaton, Emmy Martinez has been a, a step above. Do you agree with that? Or has Colin got, got a point that maybe Heaton deserves to come back in for whatever reason? I feel like people are pretty emotionally attached to Tom Heaton for good reasons. It's not bad to be emotionally attached to a good player. But I think Martinez has come in and he's shown what a number one at Villa should be. He's commanding. He's uh, excitable. He gets really excited about his role. He he rarely makes mistakes. He's quick on. The, he knows where to throw the ball straight away, as we saw with the, the Grealish counter. Um, I think he's a complete package, and maybe just a little bit more so than Tom Heaton. But that being said, I think Tom Heaton is a master of like the dark arts. Like he he will chip away time in a game. Villa don't really need that, and I feel like they've got a keeper in Martinez. He's showing like genuinely elite abilities he's he's really he's, he's stupendous with Villa I think there was a season where Brad Guzan was really good and everyone's like oh my god have we been missing this the whole time and then he just dropped off a cliff with Martin as I, I don't know about you Ash I don't, I don't feel that way I feel like we're genuinely in safe hands hmm. yeah I think Tony Adams said this morning he's the best keeper in the league I don't know why I was to let him go um, yeah incredible but for some question marks with now why we spent so much on a, on a goalkeeper yeah that, for, for me that was me yeah well yeah decent decent enough um Ethan was going to come back and everything was okay, but just the levels and when the ball's fizzed, fizzed into him at the back as well, he's, he's, he, he deals with it and makes all the right decisions. Um, he come on to a Zoom chat after Arsenal as well and he's, he's just so happy. He's like, how are you, lads? You're right, yeah? What do you want to know? And he's just so down to earth. He didn't have a brummy accent like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's such a good guy and you can tell the players love him as well. Um, such a good signing. As, for, as far as Heaton is concerned, he's another good guy, good, good geezer to have around the place, and he'll be pushing Martinez all the way. He won't be too irked as well at not getting minutes. He knows he's in front of him. He's, he knows the score. Heaton does been around a, a long time, hasn't he? But yeah, Heaton, I could understand if, 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 if a crisis does happen, but he'll have to bide his time, and I think he, he'll be happy to do that. He'll be happy, happy playing football again, like he did yesterday, and being, being around the first team group. So yeah. There's no problem there for me. I think, yeah, Martin is number one all the way. 
Yeah, I think Tom Heaton will eventually leave as well to somebody because he's, he's good enough to play first-team football in the Premier League and he's not going to get that at Villa and he would go with all of our best wishes, I would have thought. Um, yeah, like I was saying, just, I was one of those people thinking, do we really need to spend £20 million on a goalkeeper? If Villa don't have much budget, do we really want to spend £20 million there that isn't really that much of a problem position? But if Tom Heaton is still a couple of weeks away... Where would we be now if Tom Heaton misses the first nine or ten games of the Premier League? Would we be sat in sixth on 15 points, having Jed Steer or whoever play those first seven or eight Tough games? Ball. We wouldn't be, would we? Because Emi Martinez has been so good. So Villa have made a ruthless decision to say, right, we've spotted a goalkeeper that we that we want. Here's the money. We want to sign him, put him straight in, and he makes an instant impact. And that's what Villa need to do to start acting like a big club again. Same as Matty Cash as well. Yeah, so, I mean, two right backs there are okay, and they brought him in, and he's been a revelation as well. Yeah, agree. So, mm. um, there's a few people saying that they lack about the, the they're worried about the lack of subs. Um, someone just said that we we average 1.7 subs per game, lowest in the league with Fulham. Uh, it scares me if we get an injury, which yes, if we do get an injury, that is concerning. Um, but is there something to be said that keeping the same eleven is a is a benefit to Villa? If obviously if they all stay fit, to be able to create some consistency and everyone almost starts playing with each other tele- telepathically. You could have put um, Keenan Davis on against Arsenal. I think he just wanted to like let Ollie Watkins get another hat trick, genuinely. <laughs> um, but I feel like we, we could we could have done it against Arsenal, and I don't know if you heard anything from the pitch side, Ash, but like. It just seemed like we we should have made some subs, and we just uh, did. We make one in that game. Uh, El Ghazi came on for like five minutes. Two minutes. That's yeah. crazy. Like I feel like that's a game where you could have just thrown someone on just to have a kid. Genuinely, just have a kick around and get some minutes because we were gone. Like I mean, I don't know what happened there. Well, I don't think it's going to change too much. You look at like Liverpool last season when they won the league; they didn't change too much, did they? At all? Mm. Yeah. Teams in the past have gone on to win the league, not saying they're going to win the league. Yeah, yeah. They just keep the same eleven, and it's just, just, just that that, that consistency that, that they build together, and just, just telepathic, as you say, Dan. It's just that understanding that, that gets built week on week, and he's not going to chuck on subs just for the sake of it. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned at the moment regarding the squad depth. I think Villa are quite a robust bunch anyway. Not many two, not many players have had too many injuries there. So, yeah, long may continue for me. I don't know how the, the subs are feeling, whether that will impact on their morale or whatnot. But Swiss organising behind the closed doors games, we'll have one next week, I think. So they're getting minutes on the body more, and they're picking up the wages, aren't they? So it all depends on them. A, a few might want to seek a move in January with the way it's going. I don't know, but for, for me, it's just yeah, keep the eleven. They're doing well, and um, you don't they don't change what don't need fixing. There's a question here from Ian. I know you've talked about this before, Ash, um, but I'll get your opinion as well, James. He says, how long until Esri Concer becomes an Eng- England regular? Um, it's crazy, isn't it? Because there's this almost narrative in the in the national media when you know, Sky will have a couple of pundits chatting about us or any TV or whatever, and the, all the same usual cliches come out that, well, we spent a lot of money last year and some of those signings didn't work. And you look at it, in actual fact, a lot of those signings did work. Douglas Louise in there for £15 million, Esri Concer now for, for £12 million, an absolute steal. Steal. Um, uh, Matty Target even Tyra Mings was only signed last season permanently, of course, as well. So these players are still playing for Villa now. Um so this narrative of, oh, they wasted a lot of money on players that didn't work isn't actually true. It's just a lazy analysis. Trezeguet as well, still playing in the first team. Um, but specifically with, Con- specifically with Conte, he signed as almost one for the future a little bit. And all of a sudden he's in there ahead of Engels and keeps his place and looks like an absolute guaranteed starter and potential England future centre-half as well. It's just, just 23. 
just turned 23. Um, and this time last year, he weren't getting a kick in, was he? Engels was keeping yeah. him out. Um, one of the most improved players for me. He looks every bit of classy centre-half. And, and England, the centre-back for the future. I'll say that now. Definitely, the way he's going on. Um, yeah, he'll his time. still learning the game. But he's soaking up the knowledge from JT and Mings next to him. And scary, scary prospect for me, Konza. I really do think that. Um, some signing that 12 million quid. Centre-halves are hard to buy as well. Just ask um, Man City's and whatnot. They're shilling out yeah. millions for centre-halves. And uh, I think Villa have got a good in there. I really do. Yeah, with Konza, I feel like, you know, the, I don't like to mention the term selling these players, but like, with the resale value, immediately you're like looking at double. Like you, you like to even start the yeah. conversation, double what you've paid, which is 24, and then it's going to go up and up from there because yeah, in my be mind, yeah, even then, like double is cheap. Like it's just the value that you, he's gained from the coaching, everything, and the progression. It's been amazing. I don't know about England, though. England's a really tough one because, like, you say Drew Bellingham gets in. Ross Barkley, James Madison, even Grealish found a Jack Grealish found it a struggle uh-huh. to get into the England <laughs> side. James Will Prowse scored a hat trick to you and like two free kicks. Sorry against Villa. I don't know if he was in before, but he's he's had to have a really good season to get back in. Jack Grealish yeah. again. It's really difficult conversations, and I don't know where Konza gets in. If if I'm completely, blind. I don't know if Gareth Southgate is going to be the type of guy to play Mings and Konza at the same time. And there's kind of Cody knocking around. Michael Keane who's a big part of the group, even though he might. Be, you know, to debate about whether he's better than whom, whomever. But yeah, we'll, t- only time will tell. I think we didn't yeah. really see. We, I think Villa fans had given up on Jack Grealish getting in, and now mm. he's in. And now the national conversation is about how good Jack Grealish is. Mm. So it's one of those time will tell ones. I think concept in terms of personality, it's everything Gareth Southgate's looking for as well. Yeah, Gareth Southgate can't play three three Villa players on the pitch at once. Anyway, that's uh, must be against some kind of rule somewhere. Um, we'll end with a couple of international break questions, and we'll go back to people's uh, comments on where they think Villa will finish. Uh, Colin Gibbs says, "Last international break, we lost two games. Do you feel that this international break will do the same uh, with Brighton and West Ham? The next two after this." Um, Mark Jerobe says, "What areas would you try and improve during this ent- this international break if you were Dean Smith?" What, what, what will he be looking at, Ash? Yeah, question. Um, what is there to improve? Just let him want to have a rest. Just like the squad's looked after him. Two weeks off. He can look after the squad now, yeah? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> Definitely. I'm with you. Yeah, nothing to work on, really. Um, just that, that naivety to give away free kicks against Southampton was a bit, bit schoolboy-esque. Um, for me... A ten out of ten for the for a rating if they're getting so far this season. Three games off top. What more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> you can't ask for yeah. you could have asked for a win against Leeds and Southampton and that's it. Like it's nothing else. I think it's like we've said before, Villa are gonna lose games. Villa will lose plenty more games this season, but I think Villa are gonna be a much more well rounded, balanced side this year for the first time in probably what, ten, twelve years? Which is it's it's great to see, isn't it? We've had a, a decade of rubbishness <laughs> for for want of a better word for for the most part and up until the last couple of years so it's nice to be able to sit here and and almost bask in the in the glory of sixth place again even if it is only temporary yeah, yeah. i mean the, what was the, the other question about um dropping some games after the international break and the fiat it's like i'll lose two every break if i'm going to win the other two like villa have done i think we had four leicester Leeds, southampton and Arsenal lost two one two. If you lose against Brighton and Newcastle and beat West Ham and Wolves or any combination, it's like it doesn't matter because you, you 
Villa or that team now that just doesn't have their, you know, their head in their hands, just crying after a loss, going, "Now, how are we going to mm-hmm. get out of this one?" They, they just confident. They just look on, brush under the carpet, move on, and change what they can. They're like whatever Dean Smith did during lockdown is just—it's been like a magic bullet. Like the team has just clicked and changed, and they haven't looked back. I don't want Villa to be looking back at Leeds and Southampton and go, "What have we done there?" And uh, I'm looking forward to against Arsenal, going, "Don't do that again. Yeah. This is a new game, fresh slate. Wipe it away. Go yeah. for it." Um, let's read out a couple of these comments then before we uh, head out of here after almost 40 minutes Holly says uh, I love this side they work so hard and look like there was a plan in place and the team ethic looks so strong um, Mark Jarrell says four months ago we were celebrating the odd decent cross from the wide areas which yeah, <laughs> is very true times have changed uh, Ian says this is the most exciting team to watch since the 90s that's interesting actually because there were some exciting times in the O'Neill era on, on the counter attack but obviously I wasn't around for the, the 90s era um, maybe I'll ask Matt about that uh, Richard says wherever we finish this season for a change is definitely in the best season us fans have had for a long time we're definitely going in the right direction uh, and that's probably the, the overriding point isn't it really it doesn't really matter for you know within reason where Villa finish this season obviously if they finish 18th that will matter but if they finish 9th 10th 11th 12th or 13th none of those really matter it doesn't make a difference between Europe and relegation does it but it shows that Villa are heading in the right direction and this year we've gone from 17th to somewhere mid-table and with a good transfer window in the summer we then go from mid-table hopefully onto the the edges of Europe, if not getting into that top six, uh, or even winning a trophy. Let's not even talk about cup competitions. Let's let's go and win a trophy. Have to um, win the FA Cup. We go and knock down the other one. Gave well, up yeah, too yeah. early. Let's go and win the FA Cup this year yeah. and, and finish in the, in the top half. What a season that would be. Um, so that, no, I think that's no the, fans, no fans. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe we'll be back in by then. By, by <laughs> that's May. That's the shame. Really, the way Villa are playing, no nobody's there to see it inside the stadium. Yeah. Just, it's a shame. Yeah, and they're as well. Like, I just get these. Oh, yeah. Just one of those. I actually saw someone on Twitter talking about that, saying, "Would Villa be doing as well if, as they are if the crowd's there?" With yes. all like, yeah, the usual uh, forwards, forwards, get it up. Be pa- don't be patient, play it forward, all that kind of thing. Would Villa be able to be playing in the same way with the pressure of a crowd, or is it different this year? I think Villa have earned a little bit of credit now. I think back in, you know, when we were at the games in the before times, I think the fans <laughs> wanted before to times. <laughs> they wanted to direct the play. They wanted to go do this, do that. I think that comes from like even going back to the relegation season, asking Julian Lescott and Michael Richards for all intents and purposes, two experienced players, telling them what to do because you're just so scared of losing constantly and doing this and that and trying to have some influence. I think Villa have earned a bit of credit now. They can relax. They should be better with fans because the fans know that Villa know what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I think we'll. Uh, someone else has just commented the before times. I like that the pre-COVID days, the good old days when we could go into stadiums. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll call it a, a day there. Thank you very much to Ash and James for joining me this afternoon. We've got a lot of content lined up in the inter- in the international break. So hard to say that it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, do you want to give a bit bit of a preview to what we've got coming up, James, so I can stop talking? <laughs> can I give away the big one that you and Matt have got planned? Are we kind of keep that a secret? No. Uh, no, we, no, we never. We, ne- we don't give. You can say that we're doing something, but you Actually, can't give away two, the name. Two secrets. Yeah, I, ne- two I, I never give away the name before it's in the bag because these things fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> there could be two big ones, but um, tomorrow we're speaking about Arsenal with David, who, if you remember, reviewed the Ross Barkley signing and everything he said came true. He was brilliant, Ross Barkley, we, as we know, and he will continue to be brilliant. Um, but we'll be talking about Arsenal and how how Villa have done and catching up with how he's fought as a neutral and someone who's pretty smart 
how he thinks Villa have done so far. So hope you're looking out for it. Yeah, uh, we've got a few bits in the pipeline. Uh, like I said, we've got a couple of interviews lined up um, for the back end of this week that will hopefully be out in the international break as well. But like I said, I'm not going to say who those are because these things often fall apart and they might not even happen. <laughs> so just uh, wipe your memory if this uh, all falls apart. Um, so yeah, we'll call it a day there. Thank you very much to everyone who tuned in and asked questions. We do appreciate it. If you've watched or listened to this on demand, on demand on youtube or apple podcast or wherever uh do get in touch in the comments and leave itunes reviews and all those kind of things they're they're very very helpful uh so thank you very much and up the villa thank you for listening to claret and blue an aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa